Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. Uh, I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy, and just the most accurate intro in the game stays strong. Well, and this is dropping New Year's Eve 2020. So I think we could say without question, best Las Vegas podcast in 2020, right? I'd go as I think we did it. I mean, not I think that's a lock. I think given what just a dog shit year it's been, this podcast alone has been a top 10 thing that's happened in 2020 across all venues. I think it's fair to say best new podcast of the millennium so uh, far. Certainly the decade, the millennium. Oh, that's that's a bold claim, but I, I don't know who else is. Is there every other podcast has come out this millennium? But who has claimed it? Nobody. So therefore, we're on top of the board. Come get us. Quick shout out to my wife. Happy belated birthday as of the time that this drops. Happy future birthday now, but belated for when it airs. And on the subject of gifts, because that, by the way, was her birthday present. That shout out. Uh, on the subject <laughs> of gifts, I got you an... An interesting series of gifts for Christmas. Would you like to perhaps share what you think is going on with our audience? Well, what I think has happened is you went to Cameo and you so far. I'm guessing they have a filter for like how much you want to pay. And you found people that were like 25 cents to 85 cents and have had all of them call me Mr. Ed. Uh Uh-huh. Which has been painful. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. And then congratulate uh, me on the hit podcast, Pod the Montecito. And I'd say batting about 50% on how many of them were able to actually read and say that in regular terminology or like with any sense. Mr. Ed, Merry Christmas. And a big congratulation on your new it podcast called Bod Hat Montecito. Sorry if I said that last thing incorrect. So you're mostly correct. Uh, I basically sorted the various categories on price low to high and reached out to some choice members of the Cameo community. My favorite was uh, so far was Tom Clements because it sh- you know it showed up on my phone as as cameo Tom Clements and I was like national championship winning quarterback for the University of Notre Dame Tom Clements wow that's that's actually a pretty good get and no it's just some fucking yokel from backwoods England who could not read to save his life so I did think about working in a random good one like an actual noteworthy cameo. And I, I should say so far you've received six of them. You are scheduled to receive more. <laughs> oh, good. Excellent. So I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess it's possible that I have dropped in a quality cameo, but we both know that I have not. I, I was going to say, I hope for present preservation of the bit that there is not one. Uh, I have not been able to watch today's. I was, I was busy doing a bunch of shenanigans and saw that I'd gotten another one today. I have not yet watched it. Well, I will spoil something for you. (laughs) It's not the good one. (laughs) 
It is the only one to date where they have not called you Mr. Ed. Oh, nice. So it is your de facto favorite one. It is. It is already at the top of the leaderboard. Well, sir, we actually have a really good episode to talk about today. Speaking of spoiler alerts. So should we get into it? Let's do the damn thing. It is season one, episode 20, The Strange Life of Roberto. It's not the title of the episode. I thought we weren't lying to the audience, Jensen. Only in the intro. (laughs) Touche. So it is almost entirely a great episode. But fuck me. It starts off with a pair of malusers hopping out of a puke green limo that has the Palms logo on it. Yeah, about as ugly a car as you could get. Never great to start with the Malus. Quite the entourage with them, though. They did. I just want to touch a little bit longer on this limo color, though, because it is so bad that I honestly feel like it's the kind of color that if you ordered it, the dealer has to get you to sign like seven things being like, this is a bad idea. And once it arrives, you have to take like, I want all of the money now. And this is going to be yours. Full stop. Yeah. Nobody else is buying this garbage. You will never be able to sell this car unless you get it repainted. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. All right. Well, I need you to sign these seven things in front of this notary public and we're going to videotape it because fuck it's bad. Yeah, here's here's a copy of the tape so that when people ask you, wait, you really thought this was a good idea? You can show them this tape of all the times we tried to talk you out of it. And we've actually put it on a DVD and we're going to preload it in the limo for you. So it's just going to be on repeat on all the TVs inside. You're going to love it. Also, one of those forms does allow us to show it at the dealership Christmas party, making fun of your ugly ass car. It is going in our annual PowerPoint. Um, I saw this right off the jump and I was like, all right, pause the episode. Scroll to the end of the episode. Give me a quick credits check. Is it, are we getting a promotional consideration? by? No, they got free roll in this bad publicity. Hmm. It's it's hard to say what the business relationship is between the Maloofs and the show, but man, I would really like to never see them again. I sort of wonder if they were like, hey, it feels like Ty, we should be another episode. And NBC slash GST was like, sure, we need 25K. I'm like, no, come on. Like, we've done enough. And they went back and forth and finally like, okay, you could be in it for free. But here's the deal. We have sourced the ugliest fucking limousine that we're going to put your logo on. And the dipshits were like, no such thing as bad publicity, man. We're fucking in. And two of the four brothers were like, no, absolutely (laughs) not. Out. Do you think it's possible that the Maloofs, maybe not cash considerations, but they paid for the upgrade to Premiere that allowed for the crazy (laughs) triple section camera cuts that got a lot of usage in this episode? Oh, we're going to we're going to I got some thoughts on that. The editing bay got some new updates and they were ready to use their toys. So I just had a thought when I said, let's talk about like the two brothers that bailed out. I was like, well, I couldn't tell you which two brothers because I don't know which two these are. And I further realized I'm not sure I would know if they were even the same brothers episode to episode. Like I know them by their general douchey oeuvre, but I would not be able to pick them out of a five person lineup. Like which four douchebags are the Maloofs? Right. They are just. Can you confirm that these are the Maloofs? Yes. No, they 100 percent are. So you can confirm these are the Maloofs. Like you would recognize if they tried to put Maloof, Maloof posters 
in their place. They they either were the Maloofs or they were very convincing, generic as rich douchebags. Yeah. But since they shouted them out on multiple occasions, yes, I, I feel confident that it is in fact the Maloofs. Final question before we move past the Maloofs, because for people we hate, we sure do talk about them a lot on this podcast. So much. Why, again, are they going to somebody else's casino? I, I don't know. I really do not understand the logic. I guess Mystique is that banging? Yeah, you want some fresh scenery every now and then, I guess. I don't know. So this is an opportunity for us to meet Bob, the floater, who we'll quickly learn is an affable dude who's bouncing around the various roles at the Montecito Resort and Casino, and who's got a pretty serious fling with Nessa. So he's been on site for 10 days and is on his has gone on six, working on seven dates, which frankly sounds exhausting. Bob is putting work in, man. He he is feeling very good about how things are going with Nessa, and he is trying to make sure that he does not lose her at all. Look, particularly in the context of having had no social engagements in the last nine months, if I had six Zoom calls in 10 days, I'd be looking for the exits. <laughs> well, your Zoom calls probably aren't ending with sex with Nessa, as it sounds like several of Bob's dates do, so... Well, only two of his have. Hey, thirty-three percent's not bad. That that'll that'll get you in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, so he gets a quick makeout session with Nessa, allegedly off camera. That we know obviously isn't, and we fade into what looks to be a real Karen situation. This woman is screaming, "Excuse me!" over and over again at Danny from across the hotel lobby. This woman, by the way, played by Barbara Niven, Niven, I don't know, of Pensacola Wings of Gold fame. Do you ever watch that TV show? No, but it sounds familiar. It is pretty horrible. Uh, it is on Amazon Prime for free. And it is a uh, shit. What's that guy? Um, old, old white haired bro. Um, Ted Danson. No, keep going, though. Um, I don't know why. That's James Brolin. Oh, James Brolin. OK. So this show, real quick, had three seasons, the first of which is James Brolin, who's already in his 50s at this point, is in charge of assembling like this four person multidiscipline Marine Special Forces squad. Oh, you know what? I definitely have seen episodes of this. And then they're like, this isn't going anywhere. What does season two look like? And it is instead him training people to be Hornet pilots in the Marines. In the titular Pensacola, it's it is straight '90s camp, but it is I mean it's bad, but it is good. Skip season one though, go straight to season two. It feels like I think that was a USA joint, and I it has like a USA After Dark vibe to it. Yes, exactly. Like th- this comes on right after Pacific Blue. Yeah, USA got a little squirrely, got a little deep in the rosé, and it's like fuck it, let's make this one. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Uh, we, while we're, while we're on the special guest stars of the episode, we should mention that Bob is, uh, played by Christian Kane, who not only has at least one (laughs) extremely devoted review fan on IMDb, uh, but most people would know him from like leverage, which I've seen a couple episodes of and was always a good show. I are always an enjoyable show, but apparently it's very good from the people that like it. And this one, uh, self-devoted Christian Kaniac. 
who I don't think has actually written a review about a single episode of Leverage. That does seem strange. Which is which is fucking wild. <laughs> that they're trying to show how deep their fandom goes because they only go for the deep right. cuts. Going for the hipster caniac cuts. <laughs> so it turns out though, this woman's got some real beef because someone has been snapping lewd pictures of hotel guests, herself included, without their permission and posting them to hotcandidgirlsofvegas.com. Ed, how quickly after you heard that URL did you attempt to visit that website? The first time that it that I saw this episode, a minute, like we're like instant instantaneously. And in the year 2020, uh, I did not check this time. Actually, broken URL, no website. Mm, that that felt like how that was going to go. What I was so as I was typing it, of course, into an incognito window because well, I'm not an idiot. Yeah, of course. In case it was, I was thinking. How great would it be if this were like a peacock Easter egg? And it, like I was going to go to this page. It's going to be like a countdown timer to when Las Vegas was going to drop on peacock. Oh, wow. I, I See, I thought you were hoping that it was going to be a still running website of the exact same photos. And it like it's like the Space Jam website from the 90s. It's just still up. <laughs> no, I wanted something been like. 37 days to Las Vegas. It's peak. Oh, my God. If it was just a countdown clock, how much would you have lost your shit? Well, let me put it this way. This would not be the first time you were hearing about it. I would not have been able to hold myself back in order to capture your initial reaction on tape. You would have given someone 37 cents on Cameo to tell me about it. God, I wish I was only paying out 37 cents. <laughs> Mike runs into the Bob in the employee locker room where we see Bob looking at a plastic bag. That whoopsies contains a bunch of bloody clothes. And I have to say, Bob seems pretty stressed out by that. He doesn't seem psyched. No. So we, we have Bob's stressed eyes to com- to credits. We come out and before we get in the action during the Zoom, we can hear a croupier yell six the hard way. And God damn, I just want to hit a casino so, so badly. Mm, I could go for a good crafts run right now. My mother is driving to visit me this week. And hitting a casino is a thing that we very typically do when she comes to St. Louis because it is legal to gamble here in brick and mortar establishments. And the thought of not being able to do that is a real shame. That is very disappointing. Goddamn. Getting to a blackjack table or a craps table right now. Whew. Especially just hearing that six the hard way, the dulcet tones of a hot table. It's like, ooh, it's just, it gives you that little that little tingle that you can't get anywhere else. Because if you're walking through a casino, you can tell if there's a hot crab stable. It's like, how do you know if someone runs a marathon? They'll tell you. Like, how do you know if there's a hot crab stable? They'll let you know. Yeah, you'll you will hear it from up to half a mile away inside of the casino. It would be really great one time to be at a hot crafts table and try and convince the entire table, like, let's keep it down. We don't want the secret to get out. Yeah, don't, don't don't attract these clowns who are going to yeah. bring their bad juju to us. Just everyone, like, just golf clown. Play cool. Play cool. Shh. Yeah. Secrets. Act like you've been here. This isn't a Nevada State cheerleading competition. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, so in Japan, they have sports back going, but the fans aren't allowed to audibly cheer. They can just clap. So see if we can get that in a in a still COVID or post COVID world of, you know, no yelling. You don't want your particulates spraying everywhere. Just just polite clap. Can you imagine what a NFL or collegiate football stadium would look like full of fans that can't make noise with their mouths, but can clap would look like? 
Uh, just, I know they don't play there anymore. And it's a real shame, but I'm imagining like the Raiders and the Black Hole and gentlemen in fucking dre- Viking attire, dressed, dressed like the Road <laughs> the Warrior. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good visual. Yes. Yes. Jolly good. Yes. And then people, shh. Oh. Huzzah. So Bob's clocking in. We learn he's not actually a floater in the, you know, legitimate hired by the resort sense of the word, because he's actually just going wherever somebody's got a time card, helpfully at the vacation slot. It's much more of a catch me if you can situation than a the pretender situation, because he's relying a lot more on his charisma than his natural abilities. For sure. We we see him trying the maintenance uh, skill tree and Danny inexplicably asking for a Phillips head screwdriver. And Bob is like, uh, is that the 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 big <laughs> one with the mallet thingy on the end? He had no fucking clue. Yeah, he has not put any skill points in the maintenance tree yet. And Danny says, you work in maintenance. You should know this. What my theory presupposes is he should have said you're alive somewhere in your late 20s, early 30s. You should know this. Yeah, you. He wasn't asking for a real esoteric piece of equipment here. No, even a schmuck like me that has absolutely no ability to build and construct things can tell you which one of Phillips' screwdriver is. Well, and also if you know what a screwdriver is, you've got fifty-fifty more than likely of it being Phillips or Flathead. Yeah, so. you should have at least grabbed both. Yeah, he introduces himself to Danny as a floater, swipes a rose off a little uh, room service tray before Danny gets summoned to the outdoor buffet. Now, I love this like sort of outdoorsy set that they've got going, but this is very clearly a country club patio. (laughs) Very much so. Also, I don't know your feelings on all you can eat buffets in general. Putting them outside seems like just a a recipe for disaster. Especially uncovered, it feels like a whole lot of birds are going to attack and or shit in that buffet. Yup. So, turns out there's a run on the shrimp. Because the casino is hosting the finals in an eating competition. And some of the entrants decide to load up on absolute mountains of scramp. First of all, these guys are huge assholes, right? I mean, it's all you can eat, but get like 20 shrimp, not 200. They are assholes, but they are not wrong. Sure. Yeah, they're not criminals, but they are assholes. Yes, agreed. Why is everyone else standing there? I mean, look, I love shrimp. They're great. But all these other patrons have full plates of food. Essentially, there's plenty of other food. So why just stand there like a piece of shit schmuck at an empty shrimp bowl waiting for Mary to just abracadabra some shrimp? Yeah, we'll just wait for somebody to ring the scrimp bell. Just look at all my scrimp, y'all. My scrimp is the best scrimp is that Louisiana down down the road. Got up in that scrimp. And then come back up when the scrimps come back. This is not a, a hard play. Also, man, look, the first- anyone who's been to a buffet knows there's a shrimp bell. Just listen for the shrimp bell. Obviously. The first mistake is if you walk into a buffet and you see competitive eaters are there, man, just come back. You're done. Yeah, I, I, I would turn right back or I go, hey, you're missing half your shit. Give me my money back. I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I ain't mad, but no hard, you know, no hard feelings. But fuck this. If the competitive eaters aren't going to eat it, it's not going to be good. <laughs> True. It's also unclear why Delinda pulled Danny out here in the first place. Mary clearly has it taken care of and also why delinda was even in the loop to begin with there's a lot of weird delinda stuff in this episode that we're gonna get into i it's like they forgot she was like they they got all the way through the episode and they're like fuck 
you know what we forgot? We forgot Molly Sims. We need to rewrite the entire episode to add Molly Sims back in. Also, is it just me or did it feel like she clicked the dial up on the southernness of her accent like three notches in this episode? I will say she clicked. She dialed up the accent notch across the board because there's her favorite. My favorite line that she's delivered in the entire series is a straight New Jersey accent <laughs> later on in the episode. She's all over the place on this one. Yeah. Man. Sam walks by talking shit to Mary about the competitive eaters, which he's overheard by a real gross motherfucker who goes by the nickname Pitbull. They're talking shit at each other. Sam leads us to believe, by the way, that when she was younger, she was a five time pie eating contest winner. Really? It, it could be she was in a small town and won the kids division because nobody else was actually eating. Uh, it, it does seem very hard to believe. Yes. But Sam does not back down. Both she and Pitbull keep running their mouths and it culminates with her entering the competition. I got some questions, though, about the nickname situation. OK. Firstly, she calls Pitbull in an attempt to intimidate him or something. Mr. Pitt, wouldn't it be Mr. Bull? That does seem like that would be the correct answer. It was that whole line was weird because the way she quickly turned on a dime at first when she heard the name, I thought she was thinking, oh, wait, this is someone I'm supposed to care about as a casino host and was trying to. No, walk she was back. thinking Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Senior 305, if you will. Por supuesto. Um, yeah, Sam. The the amount of shit Sam was talking about this was incredible, by the way. And the guy who walks up is like, better watch what you do. Some guy died eating against him. He choked on something. It wasn't like he died because his stomach exploded seven style. I, <laughs> damn it. You beat me to it. Um, it was God. But you could tell that not only was Sam, but Vanessa Marcel herself was having a lot of fun with this scene. You might go so far as to say she was really making a meal out of it. You know, I don't think I would go that far, Jensen. Your voice said you wouldn't, but your face said you would. No, my face was one of just <laughs> anger. Well, your internet connection's not great. I, it's hard to say. <laughs> Secondly, her nickname is Hummingbird, which, while it might be zoologically accurate, lacks some of the panache that you'd like to see in a good competitive eating nickname. I mean, I guess I don't know what constitutes a good competitive eating nickname. I feel for someone as tiny as Sam, that was a pretty solid effort. Murder Hornet. Ah, uh, see, we didn't know those existed back in the back in this era. So think about how much better it would have been then. Also, I don't know if Murder Hornets eat a lot so much as, you know, murder a lot. Well, isn't that the name of the game in competitive eating? No, I think it's more about eating than murder. Well, Pitbull killed a guy, so the fuck do you know? Uh, Touche. That that does that's still a win by forfeit. <laughs> the casino floor, Big Ed is doing a very little bit of micromanaging, getting an update from Danny. Delinda gets involved for absolutely no reason. I mean, this seems more like a sit rep situation, not a full on micromanagement. Yeah, but whatever. Just another tick mark in Delinda being weird bucket. Yeah, it seemed like a very normal Danny. Tell me what is, you know, what situations are there? What's going on? Give me the rundown and then go back to doing what you're doing. And Delinda was like went on this bizarre defensive run for Danny. And, and even Danny was like, just gave him the answer, trying to push her away, getting her to shut up. It was bizarre. So we're going to get a throwaway check in on Bob and Nessa. But first, let's talk about this editing situation. How did you feel about these squares, rectangles sliding in and out for cuts? I, it's fine, but it was just weird how much they did it this episode. 
And it, it really feels like someone in editing went to a class or saw something online about a feature they didn't know about in their editing software was like, yo, check this shit out. It's going to blow your fucking minds. So it was directed by a guy named Michael Grossman. He only did one app of Las Vegas, but was a pretty prolific director. He's worked on a ton of other projects. Part of me wonders if he was dared to like make this cut 20 times. We got like a super troopers meow situation. <laughs> How many times can you work it in before they finally pull yeah. the plug? Because I think it's interesting, but it was very distracting. And ultimately, I did not like it, probably just because it's overuse. Yeah. It made it feel like it was something that we were supposed to focus on when it had absolutely no recourse or meaning. No buts, meow. That's the law. Not so funny meow, is it? Meow. Danny is using a public computer just off the casino floor to review the porn website, which what the fuck, Daniel, of all the dumb shit you've done, this is the least explicable. At the very least, walk around the desk and point the monitor not right towards the main floor. (laughs) Just absolutely crazy. I mean, I get it. Well, here's a joke just for you because I'm going to edit it out. I get it because Danny's mom died. He's not worried about people walking in on him while he's beaten off. (laughs) But he needs to have a better idea of what's going on. (laughs) Oh, shit. It's a shame that joke has to go. I I don't know, man. It's a very good joke. Well, we can always recut it with you telling the joke and leave it in. No, I'm good. Delinda suggests this could all be revenge porn. And in doing so, also suggests Danny has a stash of naked pics of her. But don't worry, says Danny. I would never post them to the Internet. I'll just beat off to them from time to time. You fucking creep. Which she seems very amused, if not aroused by. Yeah. Also, Danny's in the members area of the site, which is hilarious to me. Because he had to use a credit card to buy a subscription to the site that he's now using a public computer to access. You know, he he really goes all out on his investigations. Leave no stone unturned. Well, speaking of stones and turning, don't know what that segue means. But he's scrolling (laughs) through the pictures. (laughs) He's scrolling through the pictures looking for clues about where these pictures were taken. And there's one each of Delinda, Sam and Mary. The weirdest of the three, by the way, being Sam, because she's leaning over a blackjack table or gaming table of some kind and it's taken from the dealer's perspective yeah i like that's an inside job bro (laughs) like that's that was my first thought like i thought they did that on purpose i was like bob bob the floater like he's the creeper i'm saying like the first time i watched this not you know this time yeah maybe maybe that was meant to be the red herring i don't know but that was uh it it definitely seemed like that would have to be from a dealer if there was a red herring i think daddy would have said something like oh shit this came from the, the pit side of the table. This was just they're a not gonna, don't yeah, think to trust John Q public to fucking figure that out. <laughs> I mean, this is the very same episode where Bob must have had to work a double because he was valet, asked Nessa to go on a date that night, then went to the locker room, got a new punch card as a maintenance worker, swiped a rose and then went and saw Nessa, who had also changed clothes to talk about their date that very same evening. So time means nothing in neon city. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, which is that part is it's our North star. (laughs) Whenever we get timelines that make sense is when I start to feel uncomfortable. So Mike runs into Bob outside of the Montecito clothing store where Bob has picked up some new duds in advance of his dancing date with Nessa. And Mike teaches Bob to dance in the reflection of the store window, courtesy of some random kids headphones and the music blaring out of them. I just, 
this is like up there with the serenading, this level of awkward cringe. I just cannot handle it. It was, and everything about it, the, the instant crowd that was watching this dancing epiphany and then the dancing that we saw as it weirdly faded from store window front into mystique of man, they are not good at dancing. No, it was just awkward as hell. At one point, they're trying to play a game of who can make it look like you're having a seizure the most. <laughs> it was super awkward. And also very tough to officiate because both won. Yeah. Ty, Ty goes to Nessa because I feel like she should have known better. She did claim that she loves dancing. Correct. And as we'll later learn, she did not suffer a massive case of amnesia 11 days ago. <laughs> she is not still suffering from head trauma. Correct. At Mystique, Bob pulls Nessa aside and breaks down the truth of the situation. He does not remember fuck all about who he is prior to 11 days ago, and he hasn't gone to the cops because he woke up with nothing but a Montecito chip and some bloody clothes. And my first reaction was to check the timestamp because we're only 15 minutes in and we're getting the truth of Bob. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought we were getting Flutter Bob for a little bit. No, Bob's ready to put it all on the table. And I think (laughs) it's mainly because he, Nessa was like, I'm going to pick and I'm going to pay tonight. And her pick was the bar where we work and the tab is going to be zero dollars or six thousand because it's mystique. Like there's nowhere in between. I I always get the sense that they drink for free there. Probably they do, which honestly, if they did and if we got a single line of dialogue where someone's like, let's go to mystique and someone else is like, fuck again, I don't want to go to the bar where we work. And the third person's like, you know, we always drink for free at mystique. I'd be like, okay, fine. For the rest of the show, you can keep hanging out at Mystique. But I need that. Yeah, especially. I need someone to concrete be like, the reason why we keep shitting where we eat is because we shit for free. Yeah, especially when later on we get Nessa drinking and she is told that her next one will be on the house. So some of them are, in fact, paid for. Well, maybe that's part of the joke. (laughs) They just say that every time. Yeah, maybe it's like when you go to a a wake and say, hey, can I buy you a drink? Touche. We come out of the commercials and Mike is back to his valet station avoiding ways as he's consulting with Danny on these sorts of illicit photos. Mike has a cute little tidbit that there were 75 million camera sporting cell phones sold last year. Just for context, because you know me and I like to go the extra mile here on Pot at the Montecito. Every year for the last five years, just Apple has sold more than 200 million iPhones each and every year. Jesus Christ. Like, ah, 2003, how young and innocent you were. That's too many iPhones. A lot of them. Mike also gets gross. My ladies pose for the pics I take. Just as he sees Mary walking up with the picture of Mary on the thing and doesn't give Danny a heads up. Just a real dick move, Mike. All like you went from you went from slime ball into bad friend way too seamlessly. The Maloofs have been rubbing off on Mike. It, it, that's very possible. It was a hilarious bit though because Danny was holding the photo out as much as he possibly could for anyone to see it, and Mike keeps he is pointing at Mary and almost as if trying to give Danny a heads up, but doesn't actually say anything, and so lets Danny just walk right into the trap he's going to walk into. Yeah, just eat that one right in the teeth. Well, a little, hey, put it away would do. Yeah, you don't need to quit flashing that to everybody. I feel like if you're going to be looking at photos of your coworkers on a regular basis like this, you develop a code phrase or a code word that you could use to signify danger inbound. Sure. I guess it is also not, while obviously it is a gross invasion of privacy and a surreptitiously taken photo, it is not like the lady who was complaining because pictures were taken of her changing in a cabana. This was just a picture of Mary on the floor of the casino. 
Yeah, and, and Mary is not too plus about it. In fact, is mostly happy that her hair looks good in the photo. So I, mean, I guess no harm, no foul. Yeah. Mike is off to find Sam seemingly just to tell her that she's being an idiot about the eating competition. I think it's because he's trying to do literally anything to avoid parking cars. Yeah, we got a valet setback, so now Mike's got to find ways to stay away from the valet. It's wild. Now that we have a valet set, you'd think we could get some more Mike outside time. It's the exact opposite. Somehow he gets roped into being her competitive eating trainer based on him having a couple of random factoids about how eating contests work. And the fact that one time he probably read in Popular Mechanics about a 125 pound Asian dude doing well. I want to be like, easy does on the casual racism, Mike. Why does he have to be an Asian? And why does he have to be a dude? Fuck the patriarchy, Mike. Jesus, get together. Well, they're probably going for the famous hot dog guy whose name I cannot recall. And apparently they couldn't either because there's no way you're telling me they weren't going to name drop him if they thought about it. You would think so. I wish I could remember it right now, but I got nothing. Tell you what, later on, when you think of it, just let me know. We'll give silence on either side and then I'll clip it and drop it back in here. It'll be like, you knew it the entire time. I'm just going to shout it out in the middle of the sentence and we're just going to leave it right where it is and it'll be great. Can't wait for that. (laughs) Nessa goes to Ed's office to ask him for a favor in the form of a background check on Bob, but only gives him a face to work with. Doesn't provide any of the other details, which, okay, I guess that's fine. Like, if you're worried about the guy, just... You know, go ahead and spill the full full beans about it, but oh, maybe not. Yeah, of of concrete details, she didn't have anything aside from obviously. Well, he also has a bag of bloody clothes and a casino chip, which doesn't really help <laughs> things anyway. So you're not that is not in the Carmen San Diego evidence field to get a warrant. I feel like the bloody clothes is probably something you mentioned a big at here. Well, she, I don't know. she was not trying to spook ed or at this point have great concerns she doesn't want to prejudice the jury she wants an open and fair investigation sure i'll allow it apparently video iq is back but maybe the deal is we can't call it that because ed runs bob through a thing that looks suspiciously like video iq and discovers that he's been everywhere including sleeping in their cabanas and we also learned that the Montecito has cameras in the employee locker room, which seems really fucking gross. Again, a place where you should not have a camera. But this is what allows Ed to bust into the locked locker with some bolt cutters and find not only the bloody clothes, but Un Pistola, gotta say, his first instinct was to call the cops. He's learning. Ed, I, maybe it's the promotion and security is not his only thing. So he doesn't feel like it's his shop that's being taken over. I don't know, but it's it's nice to see the evolution of Ed. Lipsy. We come out of commercials and they're trying to get a hold of Nessa, but she's not answering her phone. And as Ed is walking down a hallway that looks awfully hotelish, but is apparently just her apartment, we hear lots of female screaming and breaking glass. So I think this actually goes back to a conversation from our last episode. I think Nessa lives at the Montecito. But that's not the Montecito hallway, is it? I think it could have been. Huh. All right, maybe. Well, here's why I think it's not. So Ed kicks down the door, and if it was the Montecito, he would use the card. Because um, you know our boy Ed's walking around skeleton the skeleton key. Skeleton key. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. So he kicks the door down, puts Bob in a chokehold, just in time for us to all discover that they're watching just the loudest, weirdest movie of all time. That's all. No big deal. If, if only he had come back for the musical number. Back at the Montecito. Danny has deputized Delinda and helping him find the exact angle and location that the picture of the Mary was taken. She basically ends up on the ground. And this is 
where she delivers the funniest line of the entire season after Day tells her she could go home and she says, What I can't stay down here. <laughs> Sounding like somebody from fucking my cousin Vinny. <laughs> hey, I fucking walk in here. <laughs> walk in here. Also, we'll see this later. This is absolutely not the angle and height of the camera. Not at all. But whatever. It was some fun physical comedy. There's also the thing where she's just like looking and nodding at people as they walk like, hey, how's it going? I mean, the whole scene was worth it, but just Mo- Molly whatever. Sims putting in a yeoman's effort on for this episode, for sure. Also, it seems like Danny and Delinda are running this down without telling Big Ed, which seems like a really dumb fucking idea. Well, they 100 percent are. And Del- well, we know that later, but I don't think at the time we knew that they were specifically trying to keep this off his right. I thought that Delinda had by that point mentioned, look, we uh, we cannot maybe. let Ed know about this because he will go on a murder rampage. Just a dumb, dumb call on Danny's part. For sure. You got to know better. Danny runs the tapes back, finds the dude who snapped the photo of Mary and gets a face shot. And he is fucking on. Meanwhile, Bob has been backroomed at the Montecito. Again, what's with Ed snatching people from off property and bringing them back onto the property? He can't he can't do anything to them off property. But once he gets them on, now they're done. Except kidnap them. He could kidnap them when they're off property. And then on their on property, do whatever else he wants. Yeah, but it's not really kidnapping when they're at the Montecito. So he's fine. So Nessa, though, is taking the news of the presence of the handgun very well. She does not seem phased by, hey, in addition to the bloody clothes and remember the blood's not his, we also found a gun. She's like, well, all right, well. The thing is, he's really good in bed, so I don't think he killed anybody. We're probably good. I mean, Ed, among us, who doesn't have a handgun with their bloody clothes? Like, I mean, I I prefer to keep them separate because you don't want the blood to get onto the gun from the clothes. Well, it's. That's a free criming tip from our uh, from our how to crime series of YouTube videos and podcasts <laughs> and novellas and brochures, pamphlets, if you will. I will. I mean, we have both, really. Some are definitely brochures and some are more pamphlets. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you only need the quick hit. And sometimes we're trying to sell you on the the add ons, the definitely more brochure, the vibe. full suite that we offer. Correct. Well, because we like to upsell you into the how to be rich. Because in case you've crimed your way into being rich, we want to just move you right into our next class. You know, got to got to get that retention. Luis fills Ed in on some detective work he's done. And it's worth remembering at this point, Luis is the world's worst detective. And I know that started as a joke, but it is now actually the case. He is the anti-Batman. So the gun's serial number matches that of a missing ATF agent. It was on deep undercover work. Special agent Corey Fox. Which, just a fucking great special agent name. Honestly, if you're born Corey Fox, your parents have decided your occupation for you. Yeah. There's only like five things you can yeah, do. Yeah, you're either a special agent or like a really good third baseman. Could you be a naval aviator with Corey Fox? Lieutenant Commander Corey Fox? Yeah, that works. Can't be a firefighter, police, astronaut, one of those. You may only have the three to choose from. The good news is they're all they're cool. They're cool as hell. But like you're locked in. Oh, yeah. You are not a CPA. Unless you are Ben Affleck from The Accountant and you're a hiding in plain sight killer assassin accountant. Any, Spoiler alert, I, I guess. Any any profession for Corey Fox would work, would work if you also combine it with secret killer assassin. Yes. Including and especially third baseman. <laughs> You'd think he would use the bat as a special weapon? No. Prefers the glove. The ball. <laughs> oh, mm, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So Luis also mentions that the photo on file for Corey, quote, looks just like 
Bob. It's going to be interesting, possibly later in the episode. Let's let's just keep that one in mind. Let's file that one away. So, listeners, I need you to keep two pieces of information in your brain. One, Luis thinks that the photo on file for Corey looks just like Bob. And two, Luis is the world's worst detective. <laughs> Remember those two things. They they may or may not be connected. Stay tuned to find out. So Special Agent Corey Fox, as I think we need to call him moving forward, is married with two kids and they're bringing the wife up from L.A. along with his handler. The reason for the chip? They spent their honeymoon at the Montecito. How fucking cute is that? Adorable. Poor Nessa just destroyed. Yeah, so Luis goes into the back room where, you know, he's still being illegally detained by Ed and asks Bob if the name Special Agent Corey Fox sounds familiar and he enthusiastically says it does. In fact, Louise, because he's a schmuck, doesn't call him his full name, Special Agent Corey Fox, and just says, does the name Corey Fox ring a bell? And Bob, because he's awesome, knows Special Agent Corey Fox? Fuck yeah, I do. Wait, that's me. Because, of course, if you have the option to be Special Agent Corey Fox, you take that option. Look, if tomorrow I wake up and someone asks me, are you Special Agent Corey Fox? I'm going to say yes. Is, like, is, pull the is on Special this Agent Corey Fox also Italian? I'm a Special Agent Corey Fox. <laughs> it's me, Corey Fox. <laughs> so Special Agent Bob's euphoria is pretty short lived once they get around to mentioning the thing about his wife and two kids. Which leads Nessa to being slung up at the aforementioned bar at Mystique, getting shithoused. Yeah, she, uh, I, I guess maybe she's rethinking the Chelsea bruv from a few episodes back, because at least that guy knew who he was and probably wasn't married with two kids. Uh, 50-50. Sure, but at least he would have known if he was. Well, and it wasn't 100% like the situation is over here. So she's beating herself up about having slept with a married man. Mary's trying to comfort her and correctly points out, you didn't do anything wrong. No one had any idea about the wife and kids. Like, yeah, it sucks, but like you weren't being a bad person. And and you didn't know Special Agent Corey Fox. You knew Bob. Bob's not married with two kids. I mean, I get it. You wish you knew Special Agent Corey Fox because that sounds like a way better dude to know. Much better story. Well, and Nessa Laws is how they she and Bob banged twice and it was good, nay, great. You know, Special Agent Corey Fox puts on a show. <laughs> the, the man performs at a high level in all things. He's got dangler level of confidence. We smash cut to a hotel suite where there's some food eating training taking place in the form of Mike, the trainer, listening to loud music and he himself eating hot dogs without buns. Does he realize that he's not the one trading for the competition? Also, didn't those look like raw hot dogs? I wouldn't say they looked raw. They looked cold. Like they were fresh out of the package. I think they're fully cooked, but they have not been heated up. Either way, it just looked gross. But yeah, Mike has really taken the Mickey from Rocky role very seriously. Yeah, but the training montage for Rocky doesn't start with Mickey taking punches. No, it does not. He's he's trying to work himself into the mindset to osmosisly learn how to be a competitive eater so that then he can teach Sam how to do it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he's clearly been exposed. And we also get this really weird moment of Mike and Sam growling at each other at the end of the scene, which I did not like. That I just felt uncomfortable for them. Did you not know that's how you get the eye of the tiger, Jetson? Meow. No, no. Tigers don't meow. Rawr. Okay, getting getting closer. You have like the, the eye of a baby puma at this point. That's going to have to be good enough for this bit. <laughs> 
Danny's working on the photo creep when Big Ed walks into security, asks him what's going on. Danny's got some really weak-ass lie about it. And Ed Hepps proceeds to help him out with some camera manipulation and resource utilization that seems pretty basic. Like, Danny, what the fuck were you doing that you couldn't figure out this guy was making a phone call? Yeah. And Ed clocks this shit in eight seconds. Yeah, if you're trying to prove that you are good at your job, are ready to take over, and don't need oversight... Perhaps you should be good at your job, know what you're doing, and not need oversight. Yeah, he's really fucked this up, and he's going to keep on making mistakes. This is what he does. And he proceeds to grab Delinda out by the pool, which again is the 19th hole at the country club, fill her (laughs) in on the situation, intending to go chase him down by himself. But she's like, fuck that, I'm coming with. And he says, okay, because this is what he does. He takes people where they don't belong, and they run down the cell phone to the skate park, where Delinda loses her shit, snatches this phone out of some kid's hands, and smashes it. And Danny's just saying, they're like, what the fuck, you lunatic? That was the evidence of the crime. You're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, Delinda with absolutely no chill. Danny still somehow has not learned the lesson that maybe don't bring somebody along everywhere. Uh, Also, fun fact, the skater boy who she takes a cell phone from and smashes is Ryan Hansen, who has been in a shit ton of stuff, like, but especially Party Down, which is a very good TV show that people should watch. You kept talking, so I couldn't make a see you later skater boy thing. Just want to leave this here for the graveyard of dead jokes. Just just throw an Avril drop in there. Yeah. Pour pour one out for your boy later skater. Kid dimes out his dad, who says, borrow the phone. Ed, what fucking teenager is giving, like, their dad borrow their phone? None. That that would never, ever happen. <laughs> of all the improbable bullshit this show has cooked up, that is A number one, the dumbest. But it's eating competition time. And A number two, most improbable things, Michael Buffer is doing the introductions for this eating contest. We, we've already established that man does not get out of bed for less than seven figures not worth it. It's an absolutely hilarious scene. We learn that Sam's favorite foods are frosted mini wheats and brie. I I hope separate. Yeah. I mean, honestly, seems like something my wife would get behind. Big fan of brie. I love me some brie. The contest looks like there's a bunch of different foods that they have to eat the quickest or the most of or just survive the longest while constantly eating. It's unclear how this is going to be adjudicated, but we see pizzas and pies and hot dogs. It's definitely gross looking. So real quick, because Jesus, we're already a long episode, but this is great. This is great, great content. And anyone who sticks with this will know if the three foods are in copious quantities, pizzas, pies and hot dogs. And assume you have to eat it all. What order do you tackle them? Oh, God. Um, I feel like I get the. Keep in mind, inexplicably, these hot dogs are are bunless hot dogs. Right. Which is weird. Well, and, and it's because they are bunless that I think I go with the hot dogs first. Because with both the pizza and the pie, you're going to fill the stomach with all of the crust. Yep, I agree 100%. So Maybe I, you could convince me to wrap the hot dog up in a slice of pizza. Pizza, I that's not a terrible plan. And honestly, sounds kind of tasty. It could Something be. I sort of want to try. It I've heard dumber ideas. I would for sure cook the fucking hot dogs. Yeah, I would. I would want to throw those bad boys on the grill first. But Ed, I've got good news for you. Let's get ready to swallow is our new beginning of episode interstitial. Uh, let's get ready to swallow. It's just the new reality. And look, 
Mike, if you want to if you want to come at us, that's fine. Pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. I'm sorry, I'm doing it. He doesn't have let's get ready to swallow trademarks. He has let's get ready to rumble. He will he is very litigious with that, but I'm pretty sure let's get ready to swallow is his open domain. <laughs> what I wouldn't give to have been there when either he saw the script or someone had to tell him, uh, Mr. Buffer, um, so instead of your normal, you know, let's get ready to um they want you to take it in a different direction. They're thinking, let's get ready to swallow. Huh? What? I, You're not saying anything, Michael. Are you Are you okay? I truly think that Michael Buffer would not care at all. He's like, I did the check clear? Sure. <laughs> Let, let's, let's get ready to, you fill in the blank. I don't give a shit. Just pay me my money. Let's get ready to spend their money. Let's get ready to throw the cards up in the air, shuffle them, and <laughs> deal them to the poker guys. By the check-in desk, it's reunion time between Special Agent Corey Fox and his wife. For some reason, Nessa's there to support Bob, and Ed is there to support Nessa. Wife walks up, asks, where my husband at, and who the fuck is this? Reminder, dear listener, the picture, according to the world's greatest detective, looks exactly like... Bob, she doesn't recognize him. Never seen him before in her life. No mention of, looks a lot like Corey, but who the fuck is this? She just starts yelling, why does he have Corey's lucky chip? Why does he have Corey's lucky chip? Why do you have Corey's lucky chip? <laughs> it was it was a very Brad Pitt, what's in the box line read that I really enjoyed. Oh, oh man. Oh God. Why don't you look anything like Special Agent Corey Fox? Oh Jesus. What's with the chip? Why do you have the chip? What's with the chip? And see, now I don't even have to do the seven drop. I could just leave all that in. We clearly did it perfectly. Let's get ready to swallow. Uh, What do you you think Michael Buffer's cameo costs? Given your Uh, recent foray into the cameo economy. $1,250. Okay. That's. I think his buddy, his brother is on there. His. And. It has a special note that he only does it in tuxes if he's doing it on his way to a the, the way that I know that he that Bruce Buffer does it is because last week there was a semi-viral one from right before the pay-per-view where he helped a guy break up with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's here where I tell you that that was actually my inspiration for your Christmas <laughs> present. <laughs> because that sucked me down the cameo rabbit hole. My first thought was, all right, I'm going to get a a legit like person he's heard of and they're all like four hundred dollar plus like, nope, and i was like that is ridiculous that. what if i what if i carpet bond him with nobodies as as we've often promised on this podcast we bring you quantity over quality it is in our dna dotto dna <laughs> we come out of commercial and bob is back in the back room not <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> that was really good oh Bob's back in the back room while Special Agent Corey Fox's handler is filling us in on the details. Guy's been missing for two weeks, had a dead drop, missed his check-in, et cetera, et cetera. Louise is going to go get Ed a copy of the tape of somehow they think this guy was in conflict with Special Agent Corey Fox. It was captured out in the middle of nowhere from a quarter of a mile away that will, again, if you haven't figured this out by now, listener, not the podcast for you. Allow Big Ed to figure out in 720p high definition exactly what happened. They, they got those good, good camera toys. That Baldwin security system upgrade just continues to pay off dividends. 
except not because the whole switch was to go digital so that you don't need tapes anymore. It would be great if Ed got the tape from Louise and was like trying to push it into a TV monitor. It's like, God damn it. These used to work. But first we're out in the burbs where Danny didn't leave Delinda in the car, has brought her along up to the door. He's giving no one a chance to challenge his record for longest streak of bringing people places they shouldn't be. And of course, Delinda can't maintain her cool, which I get. And you get 100%. Obviously, obviously, Danny doesn't get that. This is, of course, how it's going to go down. He figures, oh, well, I told her to be cool. And she said, yeah, you got it. And he's good to go from there. Come on, bud. This is the same guy who said, Sam, you're not going to run out while I go do my pee pee in your bathroom. Right. And she said, of course not. And then immediately did our dumb, dumb golden retriever boy who need I remind you was an officer in the Marines in counterintelligence, not anti-intelligence, which would make sense. He'd be a fucking colonel in anti-intelligence. They never said he was a good Marine. Fair. So they knock on his door. They ask about the situation. and He bolts through his house into his backyard where he's having a cookout. Like, what was his end game here? He had people over. I have absolutely no idea what the play was here. It was just so weird. You would also think if the person whose house you were at that is hosting this party for you all of a sudden gets tackled and attacked by a rando... Someone's going to be like, yo, get off my friend. What what's happening? Yeah. So like cops showed up. It's just some dude and a woman busting, th- chasing him through his house, spear tackling him through the bushes. But again, great closing speed from our all <laughs> Clark County free safety, Danny McCoy. Yeah. So after that good wrap up tackle, Delinda stands above him, lecturing him about how he enjoys looking up ladies dresses while wearing a skirt that he's no doubt looking up. It's like, Dolinda, have this conversation from like, two or three feet further away. I, I think that was the bit she was going for, but she was really raring up for a I do not PK. think that was the bit she was going for. I think she wanted to stomp on his face. Yeah, no, she was, she was coming for the Pride FC-style soccer kick. Like, this was going to be bad. Back at the eating contest, there have apparently been multiple murders as everyone is covered in blood. The hot dog eating phase is in full effect, again, with no buns in sight. Obviously bullshit. Our boy Pitbull taps out. Went from Mr. 305 to Mr. Worldwide all around the world. Then Sam pauses her eating. Looks like she's going to tap. But no, she's pushing through. And then she pearls everywhere. Womp, womp. Now, that's a DQ in my book, right? Not just your contest is over, but you have forfeited what brought you to this point. I, I... And I will I will admit I have not checked the competitive eating alliance rules before this episode, but I vaguely recall from hot dog competitions of yore that they that you don't get credit for that hot dog. And I think that your count is just done. There is there is no puke and rally option. You are ejected, but you are not disqualified. Okay, and your last your last dog does not count. Correct. I believe that's how it works. Okay. That seems more than fair, TBH. I think there should be like a five-dog penalty for puking. I, I would be more than okay with a <laughs> penalization. Up in security, Ed kicks everyone out, but this one lackey who has to run the VCR and has the lackey run the tape through the new high-end camera filter of questionable legality before moments later showing the results to the DEA, Las Vegas Metro, and Nessa in the conference room. Are they going to be like, hey, how did you get the resolution on this tape that we couldn't when we're... Las Vegas Metro and the DE fucking A. You would also think that the Fed would be like, uh, 
this nice British lady seems cool, but I don't think she has the clearance for this. And also, we need some chain of custody shit here. Like, that tape walked off to some random VCR and came back a spitting image high-resolution video that, by the way, perfectly tracks and frames the action. It's, it's really good new camera tech. I think, I think Bob's defense attorney is going to get this one easily kicked. <laughs> so you kidnap my client a couple of times from the looks of things, unlawfully detained him, and doctored evidence to support your trumped-up charges. I mean, come on. His picture looks exactly like Special Agent Corey Fox. How could he have killed him? We have sworn testimony from your own detective. The world's greatest detective. (laughs) Well, at least he still has a date with Mary tonight. Yeah, not Bob, though, because Bob shot Special Agent Corey Fox multiple times, buried the body, tried to burn the car, whoops, the gas tank exploded, knocked him out for an hour. By the way, I think if you're knocked out for an hour... That is intracranial bleeding and you are dead. There's no, I don't remember who I am. It's I'm up with the angels now. You're at least down for like 12 hours. You're certainly not waking up in an hour. But yeah, uh, Bob, very Tom Cruise in a collateral level efficiency, like two in the chest, one in the dome. He some real massage shit. He was not messing around. Yeah, they speculate he's a gun for hire. And as a result, the DA is going to leave him in the back room of the Montecito for a while longer while he does paperwork or something. I don't like they just hope that his they hope that his memento disease doesn't run out and he doesn't remember. Oh, shit, I need to get out of here. Or he all of a sudden starts Jason boarding and remembering, like, I don't know why I know this, but if the cuffs are behind me and the right one is two clicks tighter than the left, all I have to do is this crack, dislocate my thumb and I'm free. I know the best place to look for a gun is the cab of the gray truck outside. And at this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Now, why would I know that? The episode's denouement. Danny is comping the not really Karen's stay. Let's know the good news about the guy being busted. But what she's really here for is finding out what Danny thought of her pictures, which she asked Delinda. Delinda shamelessly relays that information to Danny. And he says, yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Just a super, super weird bit that I kind of loved. Yeah, that was fantastic. Sam is recovering her suite and Mike just lets himself in somehow. Just he's busts he's, in like the Kool-Aid man. He's still deputized as trainer, so he has access to the locker room, which is Sam's suite, I guess. And knowing what we know about Mike's creepiness with the photos, not great, Sam. Keep well, your head on a swivel. And everything he's ever done. <laughs> And his dead wife and kids. R.I.P. That was actually Special Agent Corey Fox's wife and kids. <laughs> Think well, of, hey, to be fair, Mike Cannon. Mike looks exactly like Bob. And, and Special Agent Corey Fox. Also, Mike Cannon. Pretty good special agent name. I think Cannon and Fox are a great buddy cop duo. Oh, man. Especially because, you know, there's some bad guy that always wants to call them Fox Cannon. And they're like, no, that's not the bit. The weird thing is that Cannon is actually the by the books cop and Fox is the... Loose cannon, who always goes off the rails. Gotta gotta love when they play with the tropes like that. Yeah. Mike Cannon, played by Colin Hanks. Corey Fox, played by Brad Whitford. That was a good show. Let's take it from us too soon. So Mike has brought Sam the spoils of her second place finish, which are a silver hot dog trophy, cool, and 50 gallons of clam chowder, which causes her to run off screen to puke. 
it made me want to run out and puke. Like that's the grossest thing I've ever heard. 50 gallons of clam chat. Why? So, so I think there's two things here. One, it's not like she's got 50 coupons for one gallon of clam chatter. She's got to get this all at once when she wants, which is, it's a fucking oil drum of clam chatter. <laughs> Secondly, the certificate has the Montecito logo on it. What the fuck is going on here? Is the catering department behind this? Gunther's going to draw up a big whole vat of clam chowder for you, Sam. Gunther! He's, he's going to send Benito up to the suite and cook it in your fucking bathtub. <laughs> and that's just the clam chowder zone from now on. <laughs> fucking gross. <laughs> the clam chowder zone is what really grossed me out. <laughs> Can you imagine being the next person to have that suite? The room reeks of clam chowder. Uh, you think that one guy was mad because there was a floater in his toilet. I, w- I would change hotel rooms if the last guest had had 50 gallons of clam chowder in the bathtub. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. At the beautiful wax, Danny and Delinda are cheersing their success, basking in the glory of their buddy cop episode, doing some awfully heavy flirting, I might add. The, the whole dynamic between these two is so bizarre. What I don't understand is whenever Delinda is excited about the prospect of fucking Danny, I want to be like, you know you could, right? Yeah, you just like, say, hey, let's go upstairs and Danny's yeah. coming. The only thing cutting against her now is that Danny knows something about her. And we know that's a turnoff for him. Right. But I think he'd see his way past it. Danny gets called out to the front. Because they're doing the Bob perp walk and for some reason he has to be there. But also, why in God's name would they do the front entrance perp walk? This is loading dock shit, right? One would think this is especially because this is the feds. Like this is not this is not Luis throwing him in a black and white. You'd think a little discretion would be called for here. And also he was in the back room. So they're going to traipse him through the casino floor in handcuffs. When you know he is a trained killer, he may not remember he's a trained killer, but he is one. Well, and setting aside possible liability, just the bad PR and the what the fuck's going on of that. Like, come on. Just bizarre. There's no way. There's no way Big Ed's signing off on that. One would think. Big Ed does let Danny and Delinda know that he was onto them the entire time because of course he did, guys. I mean, have you been watching this television show? Fucking, do you think you were fooling him? Come on. He got alerted when he was told that one of his employees had signed on to one of the <laughs> desk computers to look up a porno site. And also, once he found out that his daughter had been on this website, the guy is dying in prison, right? One would think. He's he's not yeah. actually making it to prison. Yeah, he doesn't get to trial. Something happens on the way to Clark County lockup. Ed, did you like the episode? I did. I, I very much enjoyed this episode. And honestly, I I wasn't even annoyed with the the B plot, like seemingly tends to happen. I thought the same no. eating contest stuff was pretty hilarious throughout. Really? I thought all the A A plot, B plot, and C plot were all good. It was a rarity. Yeah, they uh they had a good one here. I really enjoyed it. The only thing I bumped on was the fucking Brady Bunch square and rectangle edits, but a small price to pay for brilliance. That and just the concept of 50 gallons of clam chowder. Uh, and the Maloofs. Okay, so three things. What if we square and rectangle edit the Maloofs into the 50-gallon clam chowder vat and drown seal it them up? In it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, wow. That is a a good a good use of clam chowder. Arguably the only good use of clam chowder. But we got some work to do. It's not all rainbows and lollipops. Do we have a new chip leader? Hmm. As a reminder, Mary is on a back to back to back 
henceforth unheralded. In- inexplicably, Mary has kept the chip lead. <sighs> I, I don't know if I have anyone to offer here. I, so, I I feel like Sam gained a lot of chips. One, just the hilarious roasting of competitive eaters. And when the guy's yep, like, that was very good. no, that's that's mean. We we train a lot. We try hard and all this We're stuff. We're athletes. And she's just like, okay, cool. I, I once ordered a whole pizza and ate it myself, but I'm not looking for a fucking ribbon, you jamoke. Good usage of jamoke. Thank you. I've been trying to work that into the repertoire more lately. I, I really enjoy it. That way, have some jamoke, and I can use those words too if I have to. Um, I think Sam had a good episode, but not but enough. She was, she, was, she was in a bad hole. But maybe she's out of the doghouse; like she's now back eligible. I, I think she's she's gotten some of those rebuys back. She's she's gaining chips. Danny did well, but auto DQ for bringing Delinda along on this whole thing. Like, just yeah. stop being an idiot. So I think it's Ed. Mm-hmm. And Mary didn't have a bad episode, but she didn't really have any episode. I mean, she was just. You know, yeah. she she bought a couple blinds that paid for hers, but she wasn't taking any hands. And I think Ed came on fairly strong. You know, he did everything that was asked of him. He kept his cool despite knowing that his daughter was on this website and that they were running this op behind his back. He managed to help them with their op anyway. I mean, the perp walk out the front door at the end is not great, but I don't know. All in all, I think I think it comes down to Ed and Mary again. Last week we deferred to the defending champion, but she kind of was absent this episode. And and the the way that Ed was on the spot, like he figured everything out about Bob pretty instantaneously and was there to save Nessa. Ended up not being a necessary save, but he was there to save Nessa instantaneously, practically. So I yeah. I can get behind that. I'm I'm in. And and he's got some mysteriously sneaky good spy toys, which always get points for those. You got you. We love our toys here. All right. So congratulations, Big Edward. No, mm-hmm. is Edward. What's his middle name? Man. It is an M, isn't it? Melvin. Marvin. Melvin. 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 Congratulations, Big Edward Melvin DeLine. You, sir, are our new chip leader. Bing. My friend, what do we have on tap for next week? Next week on Pod of the Montecito, Family Jewels. Let's get ready to swallow. <laughs> the episode's name again, Family Jewels. So just just work just work that one in there for you. When $5 million worth of diamonds is stolen from the Montecito vaults, Danny enlists Mike's tech expertise to hunt down the hidden jewels. Meanwhile, Sam is shocked when a loyal High Rollers fiancé declares the tragic words that he will never gamble again. That is tragedy. I, a, a fate I would not wish on, like, my mid-tier enemies. And yet, a fate I would wish on very many people that I've gambled with in Las Vegas. <laughs> For sure. It'd be great if you gave this up. This is a dumb hobby, don't you think? You're, you're, putting, a lot of, you're putting a lot of money at risk here. Ed, do you have any advice for our audience, our dear, sweet audience? Our last advice for 2020, I might remind you. I wish I wish I had better advice coming out of this episode. But kids, if you're going to enter into a competitive eating contest, make sure that the prizes are better than giant industrial-sized vats of clam chowder before signing that piece of paper. That's good. May I break with tradition and offer some advice of my own? I, I mean, we got to... F- Fill out t-shirts somehow, man. Go for it. If you wake up and you're covered in blood and you have a handgun, once you source new clothes, get rid of that shit. 
There's no upside to you having a gun and bloody clothes and no memory. None. Just fucking 86 that shit. That's that's pretty good advice that I think will apply to a lot of our listeners. A disturbingly high number of them. Well, you know, we, we have the crowd that we have for a reason. We're talking about you, Julia. 100%. Fix your shit. Get rid of those clothes. Also, please don't shoot us. Well, sir, thank you very much for joining me. We're, we're closing 2020 out with a bang. A absolute great episode, both of Las Vegas and this podcast. I've really had a blast, my friend, doing this with you. It's been, as you said earlier, the best part of 2020. The the pleasure, as always, is all mine. I, I thank you for bringing me along on this journey. Uh, I wish that our employees were not garbage humans, but, you know, we'll, we'll work on it. I, I feel like 2020 is going to be 2020. It, it's been what it has been. We've gotten through the rocky parts. 2021. It's going to be 2020, 2021, the year that Peacock adds Las Vegas. I was I was just about to say, do you think there is a space buck wager as to setting a date by which Peacock adds Las Vegas, like a closest to the absolutely. Pen? OK, absolutely. Let's uh, do I think we each we each pick a date and it's closest to the pen. We have to lock it in ahead of time. I, I think that's the best way to do it. OK, mine is written down so you can say yours out loud. Okay, August 23rd, 2021. That's a bummer. I chose May 14th. Oh, you wanted the 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 B-Day present. Yeah. I like I like where your head's at. But I was also thinking you were gonna choose something. I was hoping you're gonna choose something before that. And so I was going to win when it never gets added. Mm, yeah, no, I was I was going late just in case. Uh, I guess we should have discussed terms I, before we made the selection. But I feel like our standard bet is 100 space bucks. Sure. I I think that's standard. Okay. And and I think we are. This is just for the year 2021. If we get Correct. to the end of 2021, I say wash and we just run it back. Uh, I think if we get to the end of 2021, I think you have won, and I have an opportunity to win my money to back d- in 2022. Fair enough. Because yeah, it's uh, it's spoiler alert. I think you won. <laughs> yeah, I I feel I'm I'm pretty happy that you came in before my date. I feel like there's a systemic problem here that's keeping this off the platform uh that peacock is run by garbage people guys lobby your local peacock twitter handle and if they're not listening about las vegas pretend to be crossing jordan fans we need it all to restore the full canon anyway it's true maybe that gets us well ask santa well it's too late ask i guess the easter bunny (laughs) for las vegas on peacock but until then i've been judd he's been ed and this has been potted the Montecito. This is. I could have chosen a wedding. I felt like a wake was going to be funnier, though. <laughs> felt weirdly morbid. Yeah, I got no reaction out of you. But the good news is, blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>